Now, what we're doing as a church family is we are moving through a lengthy sermon series entitled, Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Simply put, City Church is all about this, calling people to follow Jesus and to serve others. Calling people to follow Jesus and to serve others. And if that's the main purpose of your church, then we need to understand what it means to or what it looks like to follow Jesus. And with this in mind, I want to talk to us this morning about something that is very near and dear to my heart, but it's the idea of follow Jesus, go, and the gospel. Follow Jesus, go, the gospel. Where we're taking this from is that this past Sunday, sort of the centerpiece of the teaching that I brought was taken from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. It's a quotation of Jesus, and it's known as the Great Commission, the Great Commission. It's where Jesus, in resurrected body, commissions his disciples, and these are his parting words. Listen carefully. Here's what Jesus says as he ascends to the Father. Here's what he says to his disciples as he departs. He says, therefore, what's the next word? What is it? Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of what? All nations. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus' parting words are simple. He challenges his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, one thing that we need to understand before I take a look at two other scriptures is that when we talk about go and the gospel, almost every time what's brought up is all nations. Now, let me clarify something about that phrase, all nations. This is important. When we think nations, we think countries. We think borders. We think maps. But to understand this accurately, the word for nations here does not mean countries. It would be more aptly put, people groups. You could literally have thousands of nations within a nation. You could literally have thousands of them. You could have thousands of people groups that make up a big nation. And so to understand this, when it says to go to all nations... It doesn't mean just go to a country, but what Jesus is commanding is that all of these people groups would have someone who would go to them. Someone would go. If you were to read earlier on in the book of Matthew, you would come upon a very fascinating episode as we talk about go and the gospel and all nations. You would find a very fascinating episode, and it's found in Matthew 24. 
And in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is with his disciples. He's not in resurrected body this time. That happens in Matthew 28. In Matthew 24, Jesus is with his disciples. And the Bible tells us as we pick it up in verse 3, here's what it tells us as we kind of lay the foundation for go, the gospel, and all nations this morning. In verse 3, here's what it says, Matthew 24. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. I have a question. If you could meet with Jesus privately, what would your question be? What would your question be? Hopefully it wouldn't be something like, can God build a boulder that's so big he can't lift it? Hopefully, it would be something that's really burning in your heart that pertains to your walk with God. Well, it's interesting. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples come to him privately. Here's the question. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So, Jesus, tell us about the end. What's it going to be like at the end? What are the things that people who follow you should look for at the end? How many of you are curious now? You want to know what the God-man has to say about the end? Well, we read on. Verse 4 is what Jesus said. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one will deceive you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pangs. Then, listen carefully, verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And then the next phrase fascinates me. Verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, to all people groups, and then the end will come. I don't know if you're aware of this, but currently there are more wars and more conflicts than there ever has been. Not only that, In the past 100 years, more Christians have been martyred for their faith and all of history combined. When you look at what Jesus said about the signs of the times of the end, we can quickly deduce that things are increasing 
towards the end of which the disciples were questioning him. Also notice, it says there will be an increase in wickedness and the love of many will grow cold. In other words, because of wickedness, people's hearts will cease to love. And then in verse 14, here's what Jesus says. In the midst of all of that, in the midst of wars and famines and earthquakes and the, in, in the midst of the increase of wickedness, Jesus says in verse 14, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world and it'll be preached to all nations. Every people group will have a voice of the gospel of Jesus and then the end will come. As we look at these scriptures, what we understand very quickly is that Jesus' parting words to his disciples were this, therefore go, preach the gospel to all nations. He says that in resurrected body, he talks about it prior to being in his resurrection body, and in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Here's what Jesus says to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When you listen to these scriptures, I want them to be carefully placed in context. When Jesus shares in Matthew 28 and then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he is in resurrected body. He has spent the prior 40 days going around regathering his disciples. After he died, after he was executed, after he was persecuted, the disciples scattered. And Jesus in resurrected body has been going around regathering the disciples. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, listen, go to Jerusalem and wait, and power will come upon you. And when power comes upon you, you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem where you live, in Judea, the outlying area, Samaria, people that you hate and cannot stand, Samaritans, and then to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus predicts. Can you imagine the context of that, though? Because the disciples have left him, they've abandoned him when he died, he goes around, he regathers them, he brings them back together, and then he makes this announcement that is absolutely either insane or it's accurate. He says to his disciples, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and when he does, you will start in Jerusalem, but by the time you're done, the whole earth will hear of the gospel as you go. The whole earth will hear about the gospel of Christ as you go. So as we think about this, go, the gospel, and all nations, I'd like us to view it the following way. I'm going to give you a brief spiritual history of our faith. I want to present that to us. And the brief spiritual history begins at the beginning of Scripture, book of Genesis. 
In the book of Genesis, the Bible says God creates everything as it should be. Then something happens, and it's called the fall. The fall happens because sin enters into the human race. And when sin enters in, it's called the alien invader. When sin enters in, the wheels come off. The wheels come off relationship with God. The wheels comes off of nature. The wheels come off of interpersonal relationship. And brokenness enters in to God's creation. And people that were connected to God and connected to each other and connected to the world in which we are are created into, suddenly there's brokenness everywhere we look. And somehow all of us sitting here have the clearest sense that the world is not the way God intended, but our hearts long for that. Yesterday I was driving with my youngest child. She was getting ready to go on a trip to where she's doing a Spanish immersion. Proud of her. But as we were driving, we began to have a faith conversation as we were talking about faith We came to the point of brokenness in the world. And as we were talking about brokenness and how how there's so much pain and suffering in the world in which we live, I was talking briefly about how the Scripture and how the creation story and the story of the fall of man into sin gives us a context with which we can view the brokenness of this world. As we were driving together, we were looking at a beautiful tree It was to the right of our car. And I said to her, you know, it took about 60 to 80 years to grow that tree. But you can chop it down in about 25 seconds. And then we began to talk about life. And how a well-lived life is a compilation of a thousand, hundreds of thousands of good decisions. But then I mentioned this. Isn't it incredible that a great life takes thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of good decisions, but you can destroy a life in two decisions? Isn't it amazing? So we live in this world that's awesome, God's created it, it's beautiful, but we all have this underlying sense that what it took to build it could be taken down in one fell swoop, that destroying things comes so much more easy than building things. Tearing apart is something that can happen instantaneously. You can destroy something that takes a lifetime to build in two quick decisions. I'm thankful we had that conversation before she went away to live with some friends and another family in a foreign country. But when you think about this, the Bible produces and gives us a context for this. How many of you sitting here with one hand would say, yes, the world's beautiful and it's awesome and God created a beautiful world, but with the other hand, you would also raise your hand and say, but it's broken. How many of you would do that this morning? You'd say it's beautiful, but it's broken. And the Bible says that this is not how God intended it to be. So creation is awesome. And as our story moves towards go, the gospel, and all nations, what we understand is that the world is broken. 
It's not as God had intended it to be. And as you exit from the creation story in the book of Genesis to the story of sin and brokenness, what you discover is God institutes what's called a sacrificial system. That our sin, in order to be atoned for or covered, there must be a sacrifice so that we can be in right relationship with God. And then as you move through the Older Testament towards the Newer Testament, we pick up a guy by the name of Abraham. God picks him out of the whole human race and says, Abraham, if you will leave your people and leave your country and you will go and follow me, I will make you into a great nation. Not only will I make you into a great nation, but you will be my people and I will be your God and I will lead you to a land that will be yours. That's the beginning of what we know as the Israelite people. Abraham leaves and he begins to follow, but there's struggles and there's enemies for that, and there's brokenness in the midst of that. And then if you kind of fast forward throughout the Older Testament, all of a sudden God raises up a guy by the name of Moses because the people that are of Abraham's lineage have gotten into trouble because of God's judgment, they're now in bondage to the Egyptian empire, and God raises up this man by the name of Moses, and Moses, with the power of God, leads them out of captivity towards the land, the promised land, that these people of God would have a place for themselves. You have a people and a place. And as they're traveling through the wilderness, God appears to Moses and Moses develops a tent, and the tent is called a tabernacle, and it's from within that tent that God's presence dwells, and it's in front of the tent that sacrifices are made to atone for the sins of the people. And after a lot of stumblings around, suddenly these Jewish people move into what's called the promised land. And now the people have a place, and the place is called Israel. And at the center of Israel is Jerusalem, known as the city of God. And in the center of the city is a building called the temple. And around the temple and in the temple, there are sacrifices being made throughout the Older Testament, day in and day out, to take care of the brokenness of the alien invader called sin. And the sacrifices are made so that people can be in right relationship with God. The entire Older Testament is about a people having a place. And as you conclude the Older Testament and pick it up in the New, you realize that everything moves towards Jerusalem. It's all about Jerusalem. People are taking God-mandated pilgrimages to Jerusalem. It's about a people going to one place where they would meet with God. And also, the last half of all four Gospels is all about Jesus going towards Jerusalem, just like we find in the Older Testament. It's about a people moving to one place and gathering together in God's land that he gives to the Israelite people. And then Jesus begins to say something strange. We've already read what Jesus had to say. Everyone's moving towards Jerusalem, 
Even Jesus is moving towards that one place. But in the midst of that, Jesus begins to say something odd. Throughout the entire Older Testament, it's about going to Jerusalem. And now Jesus begins to say, go, make disciples. Jesus says, go. You're not going to stay here. It's been about coming here, but Jesus flips it on its head and says, no longer will it be about this city and this people. Now it's going to be about going and telling and bringing a message to all nations and all people. Instead of calling the nations to come to Jerusalem, Jesus says in his kingdom, it will be about going and telling the gospel of Christ. What a transformation. What an incredible change. From coming together in Jerusalem to now, Jesus says the new kingdom will be about going to people instead of calling them to come together with us. When we look at our challenge for this morning, follow Jesus, go the gospel. The question becomes, what is the gospel? What is it? The gospel, the word literally means good news. That's what it literally means, good news. But when we talk about going, and Jesus says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world to all nations, and then the end will come, what is the gospel? What is it? We find one of the best sort of outlines for the gospel anywhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 4. And here's what Paul says. I want you to listen carefully. Here's what Paul says. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of primary importance. Here's what he says the gospel is. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul says, this is what you need to know about Jesus. This is the gospel. This is the good news. So the understanding would be this. Jesus Christ, who is God the Son who became a man, entered into this world. And like everyone else among, among the command of God, he moves towards Jerusalem. It's about a people in a place. Jesus does the same thing. But when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, here's what it says about Christ. In, co in combining it with what Paul said, that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, and on the third day was raised to life according to the Scriptures. Here's what it says about Jesus. For our sake, he, meaning God, made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 
So when we begin to talk about the gospel, the gospel is the good news. And here's the good news, that God the Son became a man and moved towards Jerusalem and fulfilled all the laws of God. And when he enters into Jerusalem, he is executed as the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the entire world. And Paul announces with incredible joy in the Newer Testament that he who knew no sin became sin for you and for me so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the gospel. And when we think about that, we begin to understand this, and this is what brought me to Christ. What brought me to Jesus as a pre-teenage boy was this. I knew my heart had sin. I knew it. No sense of self-talk could remove that from me. I knew I was sinful. And when someone in a church just like this, as a preteen boy in Appleton, Wisconsin, got into the pulpit and began to teach about who Jesus is and what he has done, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, that Jesus died even though he was sinless and on the third day was raised to life because death hell in the grave, could not keep him because he had never sinned. And he was raised victorious. What was explained to me was that that is the sacrifice for my sin. That's what that is. And as a preteen boy, I put my faith, my hope, and my trust in Christ. And the good news became part of my story. As we look at this, I have a question. Have you said yes to Jesus? Maybe you've been checking out Jesus for a long time, and you have not taken the step to look at Jesus and say, you know something, this world's filled with chaos. It's broken. It's beautiful, but it's broken. God's story is accurate, and you sense that. Your heart longs for a place of perfection, but this world is not it. And in the midst of sin and brokenness, dare I say, prophetically was Jesus speaking about you where your heart is growing cold, where you are ceasing to love, Jesus prophesied this would happen, that due to wickedness, your heart is beginning to become small in your chest, and God this morning is saying that he sent his son, and he can free you up from your very self. I have found that what the Bible says and what Jesus says is 100% true. So I looked at my life, and I knew I was sinful. And the truth of it is, there wasn't any sin that I had accomplished that was worthy of the local news. I was 11. But I knew there was sin. I knew I was separated from God. And the truth of it is, I knew I was separated from myself. I knew that. 
when I heard the good news, when I heard the gospel, that Jesus Christ came into this world and lived a sinless life, and yet he died for my sin so that my broken relationships could be restored through him. And on the third day, as proof that he was who he said he was, he was raised from the dead because death could not hold him, hell could not keep him, and the penalty of sin was laid on him. And now I have the righteousness of Christ through faith in him. When I looked at that, I said yes. And I surrendered my life. And it was the door to follow Jesus. It was the door to follow Jesus. But something began to happen to me when I was about 15 years old. When I was about 15, the call to go and to share the gospel began to knock at my heart's door. I had shared my faith story with friends. We had seen our youth group go from three students to over 120. People were coming to faith. God was moving. People were saying yes to Jesus. But even in the midst of that, there was the call to go. And as I read the scriptures... I began to understand that where I lived in Hopewell, New Jersey, was my Jerusalem. But God was beginning to call me to be someone that would go beyond Jerusalem, that would maybe consider laying down my life to preach the gospel. And so I began to pursue that. And then I backed away. Here's why. No one in my family had ever been a pastor. They'd been engineers. I had an uncle that was a professional trombone player. My brother was really smart in math, and he was an engineer. I can't do math, so I became a preacher. That's part of that. But God began to work on my heart and on my life, and I remember being in youth group one Sunday night. The summer between my junior and senior year, I had determined that I wanted to go to law school, that that's what I wanted to do, that's where I wanted to invest myself, and as I moved towards law school and was beginning to, uh, not law school, but undergrad, and then looking to law school, began to apply for different things, I felt the call to go. And one Sunday night, as the youth group met, we were in prayer. And I felt God speak to my heart. It was not audible. It was a speaking to my heart. Pete, will you lay down your life for me? Will you go where I tell you to go? And will you do what I tell you to do? And will you preach the gospel to all nations? I remember saying yes. I can tell you that one of the most difficult conversations I ever had was going to my dad, saying, Dad, I feel a call into ministry. My father was not a Christian at that time and did not go to church. He is now, but he wasn't then. I can't repeat in public what he said. But he said, Son, I'm behind you, and whatever what you want to do, I'm going to back you. And he did. He did not know Jesus, and he paid for my undergrad. He did not know Jesus, and he paid for my seminary. Right at the end of seminary, 
He gave his heart to Christ and follows Jesus. But I think that the point of it is this. Where are you at? Where am I at with the whole idea of being a follower of Jesus where Christ calls us to share the gospel in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, and then to the very ends of the earth? Where am I at with that? For some of us this morning, we will commit to share our faith story in Jerusalem, in Charlottesville, where you live. That maybe tomorrow morning you're going to head to wherever it is you'll go. You're on the job, wherever that is, and you've determined that part of being a follower of Jesus means that we are called to go and to share the gospel. And that maybe for the first time, You will sit at a coffee break next to someone with the prayerful intention of speaking to them about Jesus. For others of us, we've been doing that. We've been feeling a nagging call that God may have something greater, that God might have something more for you, and you've been living here in Charlottesville, and you're working a job, and it's a career, and all of that stuff, but God has been tapping at your heart, saying that there are nations that need to be reached. What will you do about that? There's a couple here at City Church who have felt a call to go to the nations. You received a prayer card for them as you came through the door this morning. I'm going to ask that Ben and Jess Lewis would join me up front. Ben and Jess Lewis are going to be heading in November, at the end of November, they're going to be exiting City Church, and they're going to be moving to Cusco, Peru. Here is a couple that felt the call of God. The call of God is to share the gospel. They've been doing that faithfully here in Charlottesville while Ben was in med school. But as they were here in med school, God began to reignite something that he had done prior in their hearts and in their lives. So if you guys will grab the microphones and join me right here. Everyone say, good morning, Ben. Good morning, Jess. Morning. Stay a little closer. I don't bite. (laughs) And what I wanted Ben and Jess to do is I would like for them to share a little bit about how your calling happened. How did the calling kind of materialize in your life? Go ahead. Okay, I guess I'll start. Um, So I became a follower of Jesus when I was 16. I was not raised in a Christian home, um, met the Lord kind of a radical conversion story. Um, And I went on my first mission trip two years after that. So I was 18, I just graduated from high school, and I went on a youth group mission trip to Costa Rica. And I just had a moment um, towards the end of that trip where all these Costa Rican students were standing up and saying that they had made a commitment to follow Jesus. And I was weeping, just weeping. And I knew in my heart, um, yeah, again, not an audible voice, but I just knew that that was what the Lord wanted me to do with my life, was to live overseas in Latin America specifically and share the gospel with teenagers, with young people, and tell them about Jesus. Ben? Um, so I grew up in a church home, uh, a Christian home, and from zero to 18 was in the same church and uh, went there three days a week for different service or three different services a week. And 
I can distinctly remember when I was 13, when a missionary was speaking at our church uh, from Kenya, talking about working in the slums of Nairobi, that in that moment I knew in my heart that the Lord was calling me to uh, foreign ministry, or ministry in a foreign context. And so, with that said, my calling really has a lot more to do with learning about what it's not. And um, I knew in that moment, deep, in, deep down in my soul, I knew that the Father had a plan for me and my future spouse to, to serve him abroad. But um, in college, you know, it's a time of transition. I went to a Christian school uh, in Tennessee, and I, my faith was still like was still the foundation of my life. But I definitely went through a period of time, really, the four years of college, the probably two or three years after that, where I really was um, really striving in every possible way to not listen to God, because I had come up with my, in my mind, I was like, there's no way that that was real when it was 13, 14, 15, when I really felt the call of God, and I came up with a whole lot of different constructs and self-talk to talk me out of it, and uh, most of it had to do with me saying, like, there's no, there's no reason for me to get excited about this. So far in the future, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to get excited now. God can call me later, too. He'll, he'll still be there. And, and there was that. But then, really, it became more of me forming up all these different excuses and saying, I need a plan. I need to know five-year, 10-year, 15, 30-year plan from God before I really am going to pursue this call. And really, over the past five, but specifically more, two years, I've been learning a lot about the call and that it's really more about me being willing to be led by my father with nothing more than my hand extended up to him in the dark. And um, I know that we're distinctly called to uh, go, um, but it has a lot more, my sense of call has a lot more to do with my willingness to die and um, be led by my father in the dark. So, Jess, um, how did you meet Ben? <laughs> well, if you were here last time, you heard a little bit of the story, but we met in college. We went to a Christian school in Tennessee. We actually met in Spanish class, and we both knew when we met each other that we wanted to be missionaries, she you know, since cool. we were little. Um, and both of us didn't think we were going to get married. We thought that we would never find an American who would want to live in South America. And so, I mean, it was very much the Lord bringing us together. And also, I asked Ben out. No comment. So uh, then, then, Ben, kind of tell what happened. So you graduated from college. And, so I graduated and there was from college. Call. I graduated from college, and then it still was this sort of period of making excuses towards God. It was this period of uh, cynicism towards what I knew uh, faith and a real relationship with Christ wasn't, um, and uh, just really not having, it had a lot to do with not being connected with the body of Christ. And so over the next four years that we were, I want to say it's kind of almost a desert period spiritually because we weren't really connected to the body of Christ. And so I took four years off between undergrad and medical school. And then through those four years, um, during those four years, I really felt every, I mean, it was more than once a month. It was like at least once a week, the Holy Spirit would just knock on my heart and say, um, you need to go to medical school. And I would come up with all these excuses about how I thought studying was the last thing I wanted to do. I don't want to study during my 20s. I, 
I, I, I just really came up with all the different excuses to ignore, ignore the Holy Spirit. And then finally, after uh, maybe three years, I finally listened and said, okay, fine, God, you've, you've been bugging me enough with this. Um, I had, by the way, I had started at maybe four different master's degrees during those periods, and <laughs> I was really trying to do anything but go to medical school, and then finally decided that, that this is what the Lord was really telling me to do, went to medical school, and there we were reconnected with the body of Christ um, through a house church network in Memphis, Tennessee. So I went to medical school in Memphis, um, and were there for four years, helped co-lead a house church for three of those four years, and then uh, the Lord led us to Charlottesville uh, for my pediatrics residency. So we've been here ever since. Good deal. And how long have you been part of this pediatric residency? How long have you been here? So I've been here since June of 2013, so just three years now. He's finishing in two weeks, which is Woo! really exciting. Praise God. And so kind of what you hear um, from Ben and Jess, more Ben than Jess, is that uh, kind of running from the call of God and knowing that God had tapped you to go into foreign missions and to go to a, a different people group and to share the gospel. And so this kind of coalesces, then you go to med school, and then God begins to really guide you and direct you. So what I'd like you two to share now is very specifically about what you're going to be doing next at the end of November. What's next? So um, I'm going to be working at a clinic um, called Clinica La Fuente in Cusco, Peru, and the clinic is a private evangelical mission clinic um, that was established there by some missionaries, I think about eight or nine years ago now, but really went through a revitalization about four years ago when five missionary families went to help basically just jumpstart all the medical ministry that was going on there. And so I'll be working doing outpatient clinic eight to five, five days a week um, as my medicine job, but our real intent of going is um, our work with the medical students. And so I will be there, uh, obviously as a physician, um, on a religious visa, but then also approved through the Peruvian Colegio Medico to um, the medical college to um, be a physician there. But what we're gonna be doing is discipling um, Peruvian medical students through basically our relationships that we form with them in the clinic and on their campuses. And so we'll be, uh, that will be the really the emphasis of what we do outside of our, my 40 hours a week is focusing on really reaching out to the medical students, um, doing some evangelism, but specifically for me, much more in disciple making. And Jess, what will you be doing in, in Cusco, Peru? Um, well, my primary job will be raising our two boys. They're three and nine months. We'll um, pray for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Yes. Um, but I also have been involved in student ministry for the last, like, 10 years. I've been on staff and vol volunteered with Young Life. Um, and Young Life actually exists in Peru, but it is not yet in Cusco. But we've met with the national director and that's something that they are hoping we're praying about is potentially being part of a team that would start Young Life in that city. Um, and I'll also be discipling medical students with Ben. We'll host them in our home. We'll have meals and Bible studies and English nights. And so I'll kind of hang out with the girl medical students while Ben hangs out with the guys. So, but it'll be a team effort, which we've been doing the last few years here in Charlottesville um, with medical students at UVA. So we'll be taking what we've been doing and applying it in a foreign context. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? You see, Jesus calls us to go. 
And I would share with you that for some of us, what it's going to look like for us to go might be easily pictured. But for others of us, what it's going to mean for you to go is going to look very, very different than you could have ever, ever dreamt. But I want to encourage you. Will you be open to be a person who will go for Jesus and share the gospel? Start in Jerusalem. What Ben and Jess said is so powerful. When they were in med school, they were involved with ministry. When they were here in Charlottesville, they've been involved with Young Life and ministering to medical students. And so they've been ministering in their Jerusalem. But God has been faithful in calling them now to go to Cusco, Peru, and to serve out their days there for Christ. Now, can I encourage you to do something? We produced these cards for this morning. These are the prayer cards for Ben and for Jess. And what I'm going to ask that you would do is that you would keep these in a visible place. A visible place in my house is the refrigerator. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's a very visible place. For some of you, you might have a place where you go pray and read. For others of you, maybe it's on the mirror in the bathroom, wherever you spend most of your time. But would you mind putting this there and begin to pray for Ben and for Jess? What I will tell you is that the leap of faith that they're taking to go and following the call of God is huge. When they transition to do what they're doing, they won't be getting wealthy, trust me. They are a a couple that's kind of walking away from what may draw other people into medicine. What has drawn them is Christ. And so one of the other things you're going to be hearing about in the future is that we are their home church. They are being sent by us to Cusco, Peru. And so would you please put this prayer card somewhere where you can see it. Begin to pray for them. Ask God to bless them. They just took a little trip to Peru where they're still looking for housing. They're looking at schools. They're going to be moving there at the end of November. And so we as a church want to partner with them. God willing, there's going to be trips from City Church to go to Cusco and to help them with construction projects and different things that they are going to need in order to minister to the underserved of Peru. Yes, go ahead. I just wanted to make a quick plug. For those of you who do pray, hopefully all of you do, but who would support us in that way? We send out very short um, email ta- their emails on Mondays. It's a picture and one thing to pray for. So it's basically like getting a text, but that's we're asking people to commit to praying once a week if they're going to be on our prayer team. Um, so if you want to receive those emails, we have our email. It says contact followthefuente at gmail.com. If you'll send us an email, we will put you on that list and you'll just get really short um, one thing to pray for each week. And that can kind of help rather than just the like, Lord bless us, you know, which is helpful, but there are practical needs that we have that we would love for you to pray for. So it's a way to stay informed. They also, by the way, have a website that you can uh, log into and check out what they're doing. There's pictures there. There's updates about the trips that they've already made there. And there's a little bit more about the organizations that they'll be serving with, which is Samaritan's Purse and Surge. And so I really encourage you to take this information, keep it front and center. In the near future, we're going to be hosting times where people can actually meet up with Ben and Jess and hold conversations with them about what God has called them to do. I'm excited about the Lewis family serving in Cusco, Peru. 
I'm excited about it. This is what I would consider the first full-time resident overseas missionaries that City Church has ever sent. My prayer is, yes, let's thank God for that. And my prayer is, is that our church would get behind them, that we would get behind them in prayer, and that we would get behind them financially as well. Because I would like to see them freed up in order to go to Cusco, Peru and follow the call of God. We are their home church. We're the church that's going to be sending them to Cusco, Peru. And again, my prayer is, is that the entire city church family would come together and would prayerfully and financially support them as they go and share the gospel to all nations, as they follow the command of Jesus as he commanded his disciples in the very first church. As we conclude our time, I'm going to ask that you would stand with me. As you stand with me, we're going to conclude in a brief time of prayer. And as we conclude in a brief time of prayer, I would ask that we would pray for two things. Number one, that we would pray for our own lives. You know, it's actually pretty easy to get on a plane and fly to another country for a short period of time and go there and do missions work. What's much more difficult is to start in Jerusalem, to start where you live every single day, and to commit that where you live, you will share the gospel of Jesus. So we're going to start praying for our own lives for that. Then we're going to pray for the Lewis family, that God would bless them and their two boys, and that God would help City Church to empower them, because it's clear in the Newer Testament that many people were called to stay in Jerusalem, but many others were called to go. And the church in Jerusalem is what provided the prayer and the relationship and the finances for the gospel to be spread, and we see it spread throughout the Newer Testament. Can we pray together? If you're standing next to your spouse, I'm going to ask that you would grab their hand. Let's pray. God, I pray over all of us in this auditorium and anyone that would hear this message that we would be a people that would follow Jesus and we would serve others. That as we follow Jesus, it would be about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That according to the scriptures, God became man. That according to the scriptures, Jesus was crucified. That according to the scriptures, on the third day, he was raised victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. And in that, the righteousness of Christ through faith in Jesus now becomes ours. In this broken world, in this shattered world, in this sin-filled world, we now have purpose and peace and hope and direction and healing for our relationships and forgiveness for sin. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the good news and for the gospel. Lord, I pray over everyone who calls City Church our home. I pray that every person in City would look for opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus here in Charlottesville, here in our Jerusalem. I also pray over those of us 
who've maybe sensed a call or maybe for the first time right here, right now, are sensing a call to go to all nations, to all peoples, and to share the gospel. Lord, I pray that that call as it comes on hearts and minds and lives, that you'd begin to work in the midst of that. That people would be willing to surrender. Maybe there's some like Ben who had the call and then ran, and it's now time to stop and to face the call of God and to go to peoples and people groups that need to hear the gospel of Jesus. Lord, now I lift up to you the Lewis family. I pray, God, that you will bless them. I pray that City Church would be behind them in prayer, that we would behind, be behind them financially. Lord, that we would support them relationally. And Jesus, as they follow your steps from this Jerusalem to go to the ends of the earth, I pray as they do, that through City Church, that their needs would be met and they'd be freed up to follow your call as you have called them. Lord, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you that you will fulfill what you said, that every people group will have a gospel explanation and then the end will come. Jesus, help us to stand in your presence and in your strength and in your word. And Jesus, we thank you for this. Help us to people, be a people that go with the gospel to all nations. We believe for this. We pray for it. And we ask for it now in Christ's name, in Jesus' name. Let's remain standing as Ben and Jess are seated. Let's give them a hand as they go. I'm going to encourage you, please take the contact information on the back of the card. Would you reach out to them? Let them know that you'd like to be on their email list. And City Church, again, will be holding some events that will help you to connect with them and to hear what God is calling them to do more specifically. We're going to close out our time for a brief time of worship. Would you now just close your eyes but open your heart? And let's take a season of worship before we conclude. Let's worship together.
As we conclude our time, if you're going to be part of First Connect, we'll meet at 1145 in the small gym. But as we conclude our time, let's just close our eyes one more time in God's presence. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and to give you peace. There's one more thing that we're going to do before we leave. AP News just put on the wire that 50 people were killed in California last night and 50 more, 54 more in the hospital. Loved ones, we live in a broken world and it needs the gospel. It needs the gospel. This world needs people that will stand up for Jesus and they'll share the truth of forgiveness and peace that comes through him. We're going to conclude our time by praying over these families that have received unthinkable news. Dear God, I pray that you would be in the midst of this tragedy, that what was obviously meant for evil would be turned for good. We think about events all over this world where stuff like this is happening, where there's wars and there's rumors of wars where wickedness is on the rise, and yet in the midst of it, you say that the gospel shall be preached to all nations and to all peoples, and then the end will come. Lord, let your gospel be preached, and we believe for this. Bring healing, bring comfort, bring wholeness. We pray for these things now in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you would like to stay for prayer, feel free to do that. 
If you would like to stay for worship, feel free to do that as well. God bless.
universe Everything I know 